us at Ember Igniters Podcast. We're so excited to have you join us today. This is a special day for us. I'm Fran Malfer, and I'm here with Jenna Wilmers, and we have a special guest, Tim Hiller. Tim Hiller is a um, professional NFL uh, player. He's also um, a gentleman who has started other entrepreneurial type of business with young people especially. And um, he has a story to tell, and we're going to unpack that today. And I'm really excited. Thank you for joining us, Tim. It's my pleasure, as we say at Chick-fil-A, and we're here on site. So there you go. Thanks for coming. You're welcome. So um, I just wanted to kind of come at you, uh, first of all, saying, how did you get involved in the NFL? I hear you were quite the college uh, football player. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I have to be honest, it wasn't necessarily my big long-term goal. Um, we talked a little bit as we were preparing. You know, my grandfather was a big influence in my life. Yes, he was. He was. Um, his parents were Italian immigrants, spoke little English. He grew up on the south side of Chicago, um, went to South Shore High School, didn't, didn't have a lot growing up. Um, but football was his ticket to get an education, and he was recruited by Ray Elliott, the head coach there, okay. um, and was a part of the 1952 Rose Bowl champion team at Illinois. It was a center, and so I have his jersey and his ring and all that fun stuff in my basement. But he was someone that you kind of looked at and said, um, I want to do that. That's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. And um, so really playing college football at a high level was kind of the, the more near-term goal for me. Um, but God opened different doors, and so at the, um, you know, just had enough success and different things at the end of my career. I was invited to the um, 2010 NFL Combine after college at Western Michigan, and then um, was signed as an undrafted free agent by the Indianapolis Colts, and then I spent time with um, four teams in all before that chapter closed. So. Wow, and just uh, knowing a little of your history um, throughout that period, you sustained injuries, um, quite a few actually. Quite a few, yeah. I mean, if you were to, I guess, Google my name or do the background research as you all have done, um, you know, you'd see, hey, started, I don't know, 44, 45 games, played in bowl games, different things like that, but um, had a lot of significant injuries. I had a very significant um, injury to my right knee at the end of my freshman mm-hmm. season, which caused me to miss a whole year in 2006. Um, 2007 had a, a, a broken foot that occurred kind of mid-season. I was able to play through it, but I had surgery at the end of that season. Um, and then at the end of the, t- late in the 2008 season, tore the ACL on my other knee. Oh my goodness. Um, I was able to play it through it for, it was a lot, <laughs> a lot of ibuprofen. Um, <laughs> I bet, I bet. And scars. Um, <laughs> but I uh, was able to play through it for three games, kind of under the radar, and then had surgery after the season. So um, it was difficult, and we'll unpack some of that, but definitely um, grit, um, toughness, faith, um, the ability to do more than you think you can. Um, and to persevere through something, it, it was it really did shape uh, my character and, and faith in many ways. That's wonderful. How did it, your grandfather, you said he was kind of a role model. Um, how much did that really influence your decision to even try to go to the NFL or even yeah. playing football in general? Um, I mean, I remember you know a specific example. He never pushed me to do it. It was just something that as I gravitated toward it and had passion for it, he kind of came in and invested Um, and I remember um, I think it was my senior year of high school you know your graduation party people give you like a like a gift or a picture and everybody signs the border of the picture things like that and um, you know I remember he wrote something to the effect of he wasn't he he was kind he wasn't always the most eloquent but he just said something to the effect of like you know don't copy me just be yourself and be great or something like that Mm -hmm. and I think um, he he never pushed me to do it but I think he thought it was neat and 
um, he actually, another, I guess, tidbit I left out, he, um, in 1953, after his senior season, was invited to try out at training camp for the New York Giants. Wow. But um, instead chose to go to Korea. And so he served wow. in Korea um, and was away. My aunt, Missy, um, who's the oldest of my mom's siblings, um, he didn't meet her till she was about a year, year and a half. So uh, my grandmother was expecting when he went overseas, wow. right? And so, we, you know, you read about... Um, Tom Brokaw's book about the greatest generation yes, and just some of the yes. struggles that um, our grandparents and great-grandparents mm-hmm. went through. Mm-hmm. Um, it just doesn't compare, you know, we stand on their shoulders, doesn't That's compare right. to the privileges we have because That's of the right. foundation they laid. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so he, he was just he was just a role model. He just, he loved us all. Um, he'd always call my cousin, you know, my, my girl cousins were his beauties and he just, <laughs> he, um, that. That. he was just, just an awesome granddad. Yeah, so. That's really Granddaddies great. are awesome for that. I was always my four-star spoiled rotten chatterbox to my grandpa. <laughs> Unfortunately, I didn't know any of my grandparents. Mm-hmm. They, uh, My parents were immigrants to this country, so I didn't get to meet them. But the influence of having family who support you is really important. I, no I hear that from you. And we have an audience that we're trying to reach today out there that sometimes aren't feeling like they have that kind of support. Um, would you uh, speak a little into how mm. that really did help to shape you and what people could do uh, if they don't feel they have that support. Yeah, I think um, I think asking for help or guidance mm-hmm. is an um, underutilized thing that's under all of our yeah. control in yes. life. And, and I think some of it is our, um, our individualized, individualistic society. I think some of it is social media oh, driven. There's all kinds sure. of things, right? But at the end of the day, like no, no man or woman is an island and mm-hmm. there's support. I mean, I, my life was certainly shaped by my family, but um, it was equally shaped by um, teachers and coaches and pastors Good. and people that um, were not blood kin. There um, you go. And, I love that. Um, yes. You know, so I think like, um, you know, I, I'm a discipline that I, I work hard to keep is reading a proverb every day. Um, on the there's 31 days in most months, right? So That's just kind of right. corresponding, and it's it's not something original to me. It's um, Tim Tasopoulos, the COO at Chick Fil A Corporate. Uh, that's a discipline in his life, and I've I love that. shamelessly copied it. And um, <laughs> but there's so many proverbs just just laced throughout the book mm-hmm. of um, the wise take advice. Yes. The wise seek counsel, um, and so it's it's a posture of humility, a posture of learning. And that can be from anyone. It doesn't have to be your family. There you go. Thank you. I I appreciate that. Isn't it interesting, though, how we've moved to this individualistic society that um, mentors and really gaining that wisdom is actually kind of taking a step back when before when we were working together as a collective? um, I mean, it's kind of like the Tower of Babel. When they were working as a collective, they were, you know, possibilities were endless so that's when you know God scrambled the languages it's kind of the same thing it's it's dangerous it's dangerous I think um you know another principle that we talk about broadly at Chick-fil-a is this concept of success versus excellence there you have it and um success is defined I think Mm -hmm. we all need to like define it in our own way um but Mm -hmm. success is really comparison driven into today's society Whereas excellence is really about fulfilling one's potential. Mm-hmm. And so if we're more that. focused on running our own race and fulfilling all the God-given gifts and talents we have, um, we will achieve success in a God-honoring way. Whereas if we just pursue success, so I'm going to be better than the next guy or the next gal, 
um, that's not your potential necessarily. It's not your story. I love that you said that. You know, I mean, um, we mentioned at the beginning that you, and you shared with us that you uh, started off um, being able to get into the NFL and um, that changed for you and you're talking about what you're doing today. Um, how did that feel or what caused that to make that change into your life that today you yeah. sit here? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, there's many pivots and we're gonna, that's what we're here to talk about. But, um, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I mean, I guess you, when, you, when you're playing at that level, um, you, you have a certain level, you have to have a certain level of confidence that, the, you know, my mindset coming, coming in was, I'm gonna make this team. Um, I'm gonna back up Peyton Manning and I'm gonna do this for at least three to five years. Like there was no plan B, there was no, like there was no other yeah. thought. And I think, I think that, I, looking back, I have no regrets about that. I think that was the right mindset to have. Um, so when you learn the harsh realities of the business, you learn it's a numbers game, that mm -hmm. everybody enters training camp with 80, everybody finishes training camp with 53 active and eight mm -hmm. on the practice squad. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you see the business side of it, but you, you begin to see like um, right place, right time and things outside of your control are also yeah. a factor. Um, and so for me, you know, I just I, I did the best I could, but was completely caught off guard the first time I was cut. And it wasn't the first time there were um, three or four others. Right. And so, you know, hearing that, um, you know, hey, we're going a different direction. Um, it, it's it's hard. It's embarrassing. It it's uh, when you poured so much into it, you just you feel like a complete failure. Um, but I think, and we'll, we'll talk about this, um, you have to realize that God has given you a, a bigger, it took years and time for me to get there, but right. uh, it's a long process, but God's given us all unique gifts and talents that can be applied in a lot of different Absolutely. settings. They're, you know, I, in a technical term, I would say it's transferable skills. We used to talk about that in I love that HR you say days. that, yeah. Um, but here's the thing, right, is like, I think the other piece of that is um, that we can't totally understand his calling so um, there's no doubt looking back that God was moving me away from football mm. to use my gifts and talents in a way that probably in the long term was less um, self-centered and more influential for hopefully his kingdom and the, the benefit of others. Um, being, being an NFL athlete or any high-level athlete, there is a certain level of self-centeredness to it. You have to yeah. control everything that goes in your body. You right. have to control... Um, when you go to sleep, you have to, you know, there's a lot of emphasis on you mm -hmm. and it's trying to ride that wave and play at that level as long as you possibly can. And why wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, but there, there can be harmful things if you don't have the right perspective. Right. Um, and so um, calling, I think, plays a big role in how God moves us from thing to thing in our lives. That totally speaks into, you know, our ministry where we yeah. talk about uh, that passion on the inside of you and your calling and following that, finding it. And, you know, the Lord gives us free will to choose uh, what we're going to do or how we're going to carry that out. And uh, so you kind of chose that path of going down football, the football lane, excuse me. And then now he's kind of um, pointed you in a different direction. And so when you hear those six words of, you know, that kind of were the pivot point, can you kind of unpack that a little bit of yeah. how that kind of took your fire from a big blazing fire of your life to kind of like, oh, we're going to go down to embers a little bit. Yeah, I mean, no, sure, absolutely. So, I mean, um, you know, what you're referring to is the, the, the story of the first time I was released, which is very, uh, a very striking moment. So typically there was a, a gentleman who led player personnel. He's a great guy, but he had a tough job. And he was 
he was everybody called him kind of the grim reaper so when he was when he was walking like when he was in the locker room like you knew someone was going home like I was just kind of like you just knew he was usually the one that did the job and um he did it he did it well but you know it's it's transactional right sure and uh, you're you're I mean listen you're a you're a commodity or a good in the grand scheme you're Mm -hmm. you know you're you're an investment they're making an investment in you right Um, and that that's true for a lot of people if you think of just the employee employer relationship as well you know so people are out there doing jobs that they may not feel fully fulfilled in right I'm sure and that's I mean and it's a sad reality that we don't appreciate as a society we don't and employers we don't always appreciate our people the way we should and we're not perfect here either but it's something we we try to put a lot mm-hmm. of positive emphasis mm-hmm. on to build a great culture here right. um, we talk about this concept of family and family being an acronym that stands for forget about me I love you if you kind of write it out as an acrostic Ooh. and oh, that's, that's a good one to remember that, <laughs> say, say it one more time yes. um, I, well, the, again it's I borrowed family. this from someone else but um, family and we have a sign in our break room but it, it's forget about me I love you and so like a lot of times when I address the team in communication I I like hey family but I you know write it out with periods between things like that and it's it's kind of this subtle reminder of um, serving others and and trying to be others centric Um, but back to kind of what we were saying I you know um, anyway the the day I was released in Indianapolis the Grim Reaper was not around (laughs) and um, but I happened to be I I, we just it was a double session we had an a.m. and a p.m. practice um, I had quickly eaten lunch. I was off to just kind of had an hour to kill, so I was going to watch some extra film from practice, take some notes, you know, just kind of preparation for um, some reps I was going to get. We had just played a preseason game or a second preseason, second or third preseason game. It was kind of down near the end of the preseason. Mm. So just, you know, it's just usually once you get around the second or third, uh, usually the third preseason game, the starters aren't playing much anymore. They've gotten their reps. They want to protect them from injury. So, you know, I'm coming oh, into sure. a spot yeah. where I've, I've gotten some playing time, but I'm going to get more mm-hmm. in theory and yeah. kind of that final game and final push to make the team. Um, and so just going to, you know, kill that hour by prep- preparing, getting ready. Right. So I um, grab my lunch, grab my stuff, my way to do that. And one of the area scouts who kind of scouted the Midwest was there. I knew him, didn't have a deep relationship with him, but knew who he was. Um, he had come to Western Michigan before, you know, nice guy had interviewed me before. And he's just like, hey, you got a second, like, you know, come follow me in my office or whatever. And so kind of unknowingly, I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, you know, but I got I got places to be, but I am I can make five minutes for you kind of thing. Um, and he just, he just called me in and was like, hey, like, we've um, had some injuries in the defensive secondary. Um, we need to sign another safety. Um, Peyton's healthy. We're only going to keep two guys. Like, you know, we, we got to let you go. And it was just like. Wow. Com- completely shocked, completely caught off guard. Um, I should have been wiser for it. I think just first time and young and naive. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was. You know, I was kind of a. Um, I don't know that it was necessarily any. I certainly could have been better. I certainly could have played better. Um, but there were some things I couldn't have controlled in that scenario sure. too. I, yeah. you know, I didn't know that at the time. But um, so yeah, he was like, "Hey, just Coach Caldwell knows I'm talking to you. You know, go see him. Um, bring your playbook, and you're free to go." Kind of thing. So sign you know contract termination papers there um going to coach caldwell's office and he's just like hey you know good job sorry keep it up um gave me a couple pieces of feedback and you know i was like you know i think you'll get another shot good luck and um that was it went went into the locker room um told the equipment guys what happened they didn't they didn't really know and they're oh well here's a garbage bag gave me a couple big black garbage bags oh my um (laughs) 
you're feeling really good now, Very aren't good, you? Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, here's um, a garbage bag. <laughs> through, I don't know if it was intentional or not. A lot of guys were out of the locker room, which saved some extra uh, embarrassment. Yeah, maybe. sure. Um, I remember uh, Pat McAfee, the, our punter, being there, who's now a huge deal on ESPN. He's yeah. like, you see him everywhere. Yeah. He's hilarious. But uh, he was just like, hey, good luck, man. So it, th- what you come to see is this kind of thing happens all the time, like every week in every franchise. Uh, it's a hard, hard business. But, um, yeah, it was, it was humiliating, you know, and just throw all your stuff in the black garbage bag and get out of there quick, hop in the car, call my wife, like, hey, I just lost my job. I oh. <laughs> lost our insurance, you know, yeah. like all that stuff. And uh, it was a stressful uh, crazy time. Um, and remember getting calls later from like Frank Reich was our quarterback coach. He's the head coach of the Carolina Panthers now. And a couple other coaches just being like, we were out of practice. We're like, where were you? You know, we, so gosh, we're, we're, we're bombed. We're surprised. We're yeah. sorry. Um, it's crazy. Head, they didn't know. Keep your head up. You're going to get another shot. Um, yeah. I mean the, the front office runs the business and, the um, the coaches coach and there is some interaction for sure. And, um, you know, look, I'm, I'm not sour or bitter or anything about any of it. I'm just sharing the realities. Sure. And yeah, and it, I, that's what uh, we it was, appreciate. It was a hard, it was just hard. It was a hard yeah. transition. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I love that you're very vulnerable about that with our audience out there because I'm pretty sure many of you have encountered um, similar situations in your life where out of the blue, something that you had thought was going to be your lifelong goal is suddenly sort of cut short. Mm-hmm. And um, so talk a little bit more, too, about um, the rest of the story, as the great guy used to say. I forgot his name, actually, but they always used to say, and the rest of the story is. Yeah. But what is the rest of the story? Yeah, I'll, ch- I'll try to do that um, quickly for sake of time. Sure. But um, yeah, basically, kind of you know came back to Kalamazoo. And um, that's where uh, my in-laws were. That's where I went to school. So I was. Um, training and trying to stay ready at my alma mater at Western Michigan. Um, I had a friend that um, was coaching high school football and just kind of reached out and was like, hey, I know you have time to kill. I know you're thinking about some different things. Like, we'd love to have you. Um, so uh, that was a real godsend. So I, you know, I got to throw to the high school guys. I'd, I helped them on Friday nights, and that was a nice gap filler to, like, make a difference as there well as um, yeah. help out. Mm-hmm. Um, and during that time, I interned at um, the church we were attending as well, and that was flexible, and I could hopefully make a difference there and earn a little income. And um, and, and God provided in the sense of, you know, you, you lose your benefits and things when you get cut from a team. It's kind of a crazy thing. And so um, my wife, Michelle, landed a, like a long-term sub that turned into a full-time teaching position. And that was after the school year had started, which was, again, truly a God thing um, and God's provision. And so she was teaching, and I was kind of figuring it out. Um, and then I got some calls, like Chicago had me in. New England at the end, Kansas City, and um, you know those were short-lived opportunities. Tried to make the most of them, and um, when that ended, I ended up finishing up my graduate work. I had most of my master's degree done, and then God ended up pulling me, pulling that thread into high school coaching. So I was a head high school football coach for four years. Um, at the end of that time, He kind of transitioned me from the school district into um, a large multinational uh, medical company called Stryker, and I spent almost nine years there in a variety of roles that I think really prepared me well for what I do today. So I spent time in our service group. I spent time in human resources and training as well as in sales. Um, and that was a wonderful experience and, and is a great company. Um, learned a lot there. Um, don't think I'd be the leader uh, I am without that. It was really a, a second master's degree in many ways. And then um, in 2019, entered the long and rigorous Chick-fil-A process. Um, and we found out it was April 1st of 21. We, were awarded the, the franchise and then um, 
here we are celebrating our two-year anniversary this weekend. So That's awesome. Pretty crazy. It is. Tell us about how uh, your family and whatnot supported you through the transition period between the NFL and Striker at that point. Yeah. Um, I probably frustrated them a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> Michelle, my wife, can tell you that. But, um, you know, I think one of the things I do remember um, that was a special moment was I remember first coming home. Um, you know, you start getting phone calls and people are like, uh, you know, uh, like uh, interview for the newspaper, like, why'd you get cut? What happened? What's mm. next? And, you know, it's just, it's, it's embarrassing. Like, and, it's and like reliving things over and over again yeah, for and a I while. Think, That's hard. I think a lot of people are like, why are you embarrassed by that? Like, you're in the NFL and you got cut. But, like, you have to understand it's no different than uh, a teacher who works really hard being let mm -hmm. go by her school district or, you, you know, yeah. something like that, right? It's no different. It's your craft. It's what you do. Um, and so it was just, it was humiliating for mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. um, but I do remember a special moment um, that I'll never forget. I remember coming, pulling up in my in-law's driveway. Um, like I was fresh back and kind of finding a place to live and figuring it out. And I, rem I remember Michelle's dad, um, who I'm really close with, and he's a wonderful man, business owner, um, just a godly man. But I just remember he, he grabbed me, he gave me a hug, and he just said, hey, this doesn't define you. Um, and I couldn't like, I don't think I appreciated that enough at the time, but like, I, I always remember that, you know, that was um, special counsel. I had a, the pastor that married us, you know, a year, probably a year or so before, well, less than that, uh, but earlier th the year before, mm. um, you know, reached out and was like, hey, like, let's grab coffee. Like you should, you know, how can I help you? Like you should be journaling about this, right? And so I think, you know, in those moments, you, you find out who your friends are, you find mm -hmm. out uh, who's there to support you and I'm just really thankful for and those men are still in my life you know I, I'm just really thankful for some people that there weren't a lot but the few that did reach out and um, press in without me asking they just did something and they tried to help me it's awesome that your wife um, took that sort of role to support you no matter what um, She's I, amazing. I, I love that that's um, what we often say to one another when we're standing in that place of joining our lives but the reality of that can be very difficult um, so a lot of times you're you know you're getting this beautiful passionate fire for having someone else in your life and and then having a job undercut you or whatever and have your spouse you know wonder what's going to happen for her to stand with you is so so incredible and I, I love that part of your story Absolutely. So thanks for sharing that. You shared that you journaled. How did you journal? And mm. if you did, like, how did that help you? Yeah, it's like, so I'm not a natural journaler. I, I, my probably Achilles heel with that is like taking the time to actually slow down and reflect. Mm. I tend to just kind of be an on to the next thing. <laughs> Aren't we all? Ambitious person. <laughs> you um, feel that way. And while that's not bad, it, it, um, you miss out on things, yeah, right? Yeah. And so I tend to be more like reflective um, in my head, but not necessarily putting it on paper. So it was a good challenge. What ended up happening was um, I found it most effective to be almost like I was writing a letter or, or communicating to someone else mm. um, what I was like going through and learning in yeah. that experience. And so the, these things ended up kind of taking on the form of like a, a devotional. Um, which I think is where you want me to go with this. And uh, um, the, uh, you know, uh, my wife reads one and is like, hey, can I, you know, someone at work's kind of struggling with that. Can I, one of my coworkers, can I um, send it to him? I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, I guess. And then, like, you know, emails get forwarded and things happen. And all of a sudden, you know, you kind of start getting this little uh, following, uh, this little, like, hey, these are, yeah, appreciate these, like, when's the next one coming kind of thing. 
Um, and then kind of got the suggestion of like, hey, you should start a blog. And I'm like, how do I do that? I don't, I don't know. So, you know, kind of got introduced to that a little bit. And then um, that grew a little bit, email list, you know, things like that. And then um, I went to a conference, it was a leadership development conference put on by a HR consulting firm in Kalamazoo called Humanex. And I was there because a friend had invited me, had some extra tickets. And so I, I show up and I'm like sitting at this table in the back by myself. What I came to find out later was it was because he kind of stuck me in. I was at the speaker's table. So here I am with like the, <laughs> wow. import, the important people of the day. <laughs> and I'm having lunch next to Tom Izzo, who was one of the speakers, and this guy named um, Adrian Gostick, who is an author, kind of organizational development consultant. Um, he wrote What Motivates Me and The Carrot Principle and other books like that. And um, he's sitting on my other side. And so just striking up conversation with these individuals. and. Um, Adrian had a high school son at the time. Um, he was playing, I think, high school, soccer and football. He was maybe kicking or punting and uh, playing soccer. And we just kind of, you know, struck up a conversation, stayed in touch. And through a couple of things we had talked about in the months following, um, again, just, just kind of shared some things. I was like, hey, actually, you know, I wrote something about that. And here you go, and sent a link. And he, he was the one. I mean, he came back and was like, um, you should get published. And I'm like, <laughs> like, okay. Okay. How, do I, how do I do that? Just not even on the radar. Yeah. Um, and again, just you know, God calling and open doors and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, yeah, I mean, I was like, wow, okay, let me think about this. Kind of, he, he gave me some advice on formats. Um, I actually remember sending him kind of a very first, very rough manuscript, and he just like shredded it and oh. uh, was yes. like, you know, but he had the experience, right? And yeah. so I was like, okay, take that feedback, adjust, and over the course of probably two years. Um, um, my book Strive came into being. So again, it wasn't something like, oh, I'm going to write a book, which I would like to do it again someday. But um, it's it's a hard, long process. Editing is really hard. But it, it wasn't the in- initial intent. The initial intent was processing through a hard time and then helping others. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, if our heart's in the right place, God can use it. So um, that's the story of the I think the it's cool that you actually, like you've said a couple of times, how do I do that? I don't know how to do that. And each time you took the steps to talk to the people around you to figure that out. Um, I mean, we kind of were on a similar journey. Uh, when we decided to start podcasting, we had no idea what we yeah. were doing, what equipment we would need or anything like that. So we called friends that did it, you know, enlisted people at church to help us and whatnot. And so we kind of took those steps. So I think it's great that you're also showing that example as well, that yeah. you can do things, you can do anything that you put That's your mind right. to, but you also need people around you to help yeah. you get there. Well, it's, it's. I mean, you, you said it in more or less, like it's, um, it's all about mindset. So, um, and I, I, you know, we have 120 some employees here. Like we have those conversations on a frequent basis. Like if you want to get good at this, you can, here's what it takes. Mm. And some people want to, and some people don't. Um, and it really, you know, Ecclesiastes in the Bible, Solomon is clear in his writing that there, there's nothing new under the sun. And so, um, the problems that I encounter as a business owner on a daily basis, someone else has encountered and solved. Like I think mm-hmm. we think our problems are unique, and sometimes they are. I mean, I guess you know we're all individual people. I don't mean to minimize anyone's right. trouble, right. but right. the reality is someone else has experienced loss, um, a business operational hardship, a financial like mm-hmm. whatever it is. Someone else somewhere has experienced it. So I mean, our approach here in the business is like, like we we are. 
I guess spoiler alert, I can say this, but we are going, you know, some other stores in the area, if you're a Chick-fil-A fan, um, have a dedicated mobile drive through lane. It's almost like the Disney Fast Pass experience. Mm. If you order ahead of time, you scan in, and you just mm-hmm. fly right up to the window right. and get your food quickly. Nice. Um, we will be having that at some point in 2024. We're very awesome. excited. So we're in this phase of, like, other stores have that. Growing. Um, how do we... Like, we don't need to recreate the wheel. Let's go find three to five stores that do mobile through that are excellent at it. And we're gonna go, we're gonna call them, we're gonna go visit them, and like, why not, right? And that, but that takes humility, that takes seeking yes. out that support. So you're right, like, it, you just, you have to have the grit and the willingness to like figure it out and ask for help. And the help is out there and people are willing. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. Bringing people in is just, it's the best thing. And then, then when you do it, you feel more confident because you have that knowledge, you have that uh, behind you. And even you feel like, okay, I'm willing to try. I might not do a great job at it at first, but at least if I try, I've got people to be there to be like, okay, well, that was a good try, but maybe tweak it this way. And so it's a continuous process. Too. Well, and I, I'm, I'm not the best at memorizing scripture, but to take it even a step further, Jenna, this is biblical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not going to remember the coordinates, and I apologize. I should. Um, I, it's in Proverbs. It's Solomon's writing. I think it's 22 maybe, but um, I think that might be wrong. You can look it up later. But um, it says, plans fail for lack of counsel. That's so true. But with many advisors mm-hmm. or with many counselors, yes. they succeed. Yeah. It's really simple. Absolutely. Well, I... I uh, so appreciate your story because it very much lines up with um, some of the tenants that we have been sharing with our audience. It does take uh, resilience and courage. You do have to have uh, a different mindset. You have to kind of reboot your mind. You have to recognize that the choices that you're making, they're free will choices often because uh, God has a plan for us, doesn't he? And we can go in one direction and he might redirect us. So um, Jen and I um, love this. We went to a conference over a year ago and we came out of one of the sessions and one of the things they said, we both high-fived each other and said, every failure is just one step closer to success. Mm -hmm. And so we look at that saying, yeah, that didn't go so well, but it gets us closer every time. If you learn from it. If you learn from it, thank um, you. You can, that should be true and it can be true. Yes. But it's all in what you do with it. I agree. And and I also love that what you didn't know you were doing throughout this time is you were literally painting the picture we've said that, you know, we all have a uh, something in us that God has designed for us. And so we refer to that as the fire or the embers of our life. But we also know that that just from a scientific standpoint, you do have to have three very important things to develop a fire. You need oxygen which we equate, right, Jenna, Mm -hmm. to God. And then we also need to have um, passion. You've got to have some kind of heat or friction that goes with it. And then the last thing that we have is wisdom wisdom or knowledge. Mm -hmm. And that's the continual growing. That's what I hear you doing. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to do the same thing. And so I'm really excited that our audience has had an opportunity to hear a, a true story here. Your life is not over. So this may not be where you anticipate staying your whole life, but God is directing you, and that's what we're looking for, mm-hmm. uh, is to make sure that when you're out there thinking that your life is just not going where you want it to be, 
you just need to think about the fact that God has something very special. You talked about it when you said you just take the gifts that you have. You took what God gave you and you moved it and God said, that's wonderful, but I'm leading you. Can you talk a little bit more about um, what it's like now to be a leader? Because you mentioned you have, uh, what, about 120 employees. Yes. And um, I know that many of you out there want to be. We're all leaders somewhere in our lives. Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit about what that's like and, and what does that mean for your staff here? Because I see lots of young people. Many. The majority. Um, yeah, we did a, we, so it's about a year old, but we did a study on our kind of team demographics probably about 14 months ago. Okay. And at the time, the average age was um, right around 20. Wow. Um, now that's a bit disproportionate because of a lot of our, you know, evening team are, are under 18 or they can work after school. And um, Chick-fil-A believes that um, while that does present more complexity in the business, mm -hmm. managing a largely part-time workforce and um, you know Michigan youth labor laws to be compliant and things like that which we are um, you there's more complexity but Chick-fil-a holistically believes that this is a good business to develop young people mm. um, to teach them how to serve and to teach them how to lead and to give them real responsibility um, and it has its growing pains as well but but by and large missionally we believe that that's a good thing um, and so that's where some of that comes from you know uh, you, one person cannot, simply cannot, uh, on an individual level, lead 120 or more people. It's, right. there aren't enough hours in the day, there's not mm -hmm. enough of me, I don't have enough energy, like it's just not possible. And so I think when you um, think about that, um, you have to go back to, to Jesus and the disciples, right? And so yes. Jesus had 12, um, but he really had three, yeah. right? And so yeah. we yeah. see his closeness with John, we see his closeness with Peter, um, and James and you know the sons of Zebedee are referred to often and so he kind of within the 12 he really had an inner three that you hear about all the time and they're the ones that um, made probably the deepest mm -hmm. longest lasting impact in their ministries with what they composed that God wove into the Bible or that you know um, you, you see Peter's kind of uh, rebound and breaks onto yes. the scene and acts yes, after <laughs> after a big failure, right? And yeah. an abandonment uh, of Jesus, and he comes and um, preaches a, this sermon, and thousands are converted to Christ, yeah. right? And so, um, I try to take a similar approach. With you know, we have a, a we call them our directors. We have a leadership team of um, seven, six or seven outside of myself. Um, we have um, Brielle, who is our executive director, kind of leading that staff. And I have to really focus my time and energy there. It's not that I'm not walking around and impacting and having coaching conversations with leaders at all levels. Mm -hmm. I mean, yesterday mm -hmm. I met with multiple leaders in different roles talking about a struggle or a career future or coaching them on things they could do better. Um, but my deeper time investment is in that group of six or seven because yes. they will go influence throughout the team. So yeah. um, that's how I have to focus my energy and awesome. input. Thank you, Tim. Did you even really, um, like, what? why Chick-fil-A? What, what even led you there after the transition of the devotional book yeah. and, and um, all that? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're still learning about Chick-fil-A in Michigan as a state, I think, yes. and as a region. Um, uh, it's an amazing company, um, a generous company um, that has a unique purpose. Um, I first ever even ate Chick-fil-A, and it was probably 2005 or six. We played at the University of Virginia in Charlottesville. It was kind of a... You know, it's a moneymaker for the athletic department at Western, <laughs> but you, you go play some of the big boys every yeah. year. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and 
you know, hopefully survive. And um, <laughs> we played at Virginia, and that was like our post game meal. It was the first time I'd ever had it, you know. And I was like, wow, this is good. Um, but the it thought, is good. no, it is. Um, <laughs> I love it. Um, I don't eat it as much as you think, but I love it. Um, but um, it, you know, that was like first exposure. But this concept of you know being in the restaurant business, I mean, that was not something I ever had on my radar or wanted. Um, but I knew probably 2017-ish, like, um, there was something else. I had a, a, a longing for something else. Um, I had had my hand in starting a different business that I, you know, still have some stake in. I, passively, um, I, um, my, my father-in-law is a third-generation business owner. My brother-in-law will be fourth-generation in that business. My grandfather, my other grandfather, not the football player, was a World War II veteran, a mechanic by trade. Um, owned gas stations, owned a Napa franchise. My uncles were in Napa franchising. So, like, these influences are around me, kind of sure. creating that itch. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. Or maybe it's genetic, I don't know. But, um, <laughs> Could be. It's, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's around me, right? And mm-hmm. so kind of had that hunger to, to do that at some point. I just didn't know what I would hang my shingle on. And so I really just started researching in different things. And um, in 2017, when I was at Stryker, I reconnected with a, an, another um, Western Michigan alumni, Adris Rashid, who owns two stores in the Kalamazoo market. And um, I was actually helping his team with some leadership development. I was, uh, I was a faithful guest as well with my family. <laughs> um, and he, you know, was kind of like, "Hey, like, I think you'd be good at this. Like, your experiences." And I hadn't really thought about the lens of experience of like how um, athletics and coaching and business kind of all come together in, in yeah. this model, um, and and working with young people and things like mm. that. And so that's I just sent me on a path of research. And again, that was like probably two more years of like just reading, reading mm. through Kathy's books, studying his life. Um, researching the organization, how the franchise model worked. Um, again, I think that's important to note because time, right? I think we yes. want to do things quickly, but yes. that was almost like another two years before I even submitted interest in the process, which was in 2019. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the thing, two of the things that, two or three things that really resonated, I think one was the, the purpose of Chick-fil-A. So the, we, each, we each kind of have our local interpretations as franchisees of how we live out our purposes in our stores and our communities, but Chick-fil-A's corporate purpose is to glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that's entrusted to us. And the second part of that is to have a positive influence on all who come in contact with Mm Chick-fil-A. Now, I may not use those same words, but when I read that for the first time, I thought, well, that's that's my purpose. There you are. Like, that's what I want my life to be. I want to be a faithful steward of what's entrusted to me. I want to make a positive difference on others. regardless of business mm-hmm. and um, so that really struck me I think the second thing was I remember listening to a podcast in my research from an operator who I, th- I think owner operator who I think was in the Carolinas or, or Virginia and he used this kind of phrase where he's like well I just actually run like a leadership development company disguised as a oh. chicken business and I thought <laughs> that's, that's really interesting um, yes. but if and I, I think um, Michigan is still learning that as a state right I think mm-hmm. there is a stigma of like oh it's fast food it's it's a dead end yeah. job yeah yeah um, I I, I I don't know how to convey this enough. I think you kind of have to come experience it, but like Mm -hmm. our outgoing chief operations officer, Tim Tosopoulos that I referenced earlier, he just launched 52 to three minute videos on 50 leadership lessons with Tim as he's going out in retirement later this year. Like we are a leadership development company. It's incredible. He sat down with Coach K, Mike Krzyzewski, the legendary Duke coach, and did a 30 minute interview with him that's available to us to share with our teams. Like, Like we are a leadership development company that just happens to serve really good chicken so um, that grabbed me and then the final thing was like I was really wrestling like I went to this event um, it was was franchisee recruitment they're trying to recruit talented people in the Detroit market and I went and just gathered some information in my research 
And um, I remember one of the leaders getting up and like saying like, now I need you all to think about a question. Do you want to own a restaurant? And I remember feeling very deflated because I knew the answer was no. <laughs> like I, I didn't, I, I didn't want to. Like I was like, I had this, the headaches and the, like yeah, I, I didn't want to. And then I was reading a booklet that was published by Tim Keller's ministry, um, Redeemer City to City, and it's an international ministry, and they do work, kind of the intersection of faith and work. And yes. so it was the, the booklet was co-authored by Tim and this guy named Sean Milan, who was um, a pastor-turned-restaurant-owner-entrepreneur oh. in the one of the districts of Dublin, um, a tough area of the city, and his goal was to revitalize that area through what they called Third Space Cafe. And so their goal is to create a third space where people could come and be welcome mm-hmm. and um, have a good experience. And the book was about how, or the booklet, it's very short, was about how third space revitalized that segment of wow. Dublin wow. was being copied by others through his work and through Redeemer City to City's work. And there's a paragraph in there, and I'm paraphrasing, I don't have it memorized, but it bas- I keep a picture of it on my phone, but it basically says... If entrepreneurs want to be a part of a gospel movement, they should give special consideration to hospitality and specifically the food and beverage industry because um, Jesus taught a lot of important lessons over a meal. That's how he gathered people. And it's also, it's powerful, it's emotional. Um, uh, It also um, creates space or a a seat at the table for people who don't own the table. and so it's something we should give special consideration. I was like, there you go. All right, God. All right. <laughs> going to own a restaurant. And two years tomorrow, <laughs> two you years said. Tomorrow. Two years so, tomorrow. Two years tomorrow. So I apologize for the emotion, but it's real. Okay. And um, I think uh, God has a, a hand of blessing on Chick-fil-A. I, I appreciate so much that you took the time. Um, I'm sure our audience can hear in the background. There's noises. We're... In your we're in the store. Yeah, we're in the we're store. And um, yeah, serving people. And I, I, I love that. There, um, there's so much that I know our audience has gleaned today. And I, I really want to encourage you. If you didn't catch it all, please uh, go back, listen to it more than once or twice. Um, Tim, you are an inspiration. I know that you speak. Also, you're a speaker. But um, more importantly, I see that you have taken the principles of God's Word and uh, filtered them into your lives. You've built a fire. You're building a fire. And it will continue uh, to grow as God leads you and as you stay close to Him. So, And I just want to thank you for your authenticity. I mean, even from the day, the first day that I met you um, a while back, um, you know, being a supporter of veterans and and whatnot and I mean I even remember coming to uh, the pre-grand opening uh, where you uh, you gave my son you know the the cow eat more chicken (laughs) and he still has that he (laughs) still runs around with that and whatnot and just the the love that exudes from you um, not only just like to the community but also to your team uh, that's a really powerful thing that you're sharing with people and your authenticity and I just want you to know like keep going with that because that. the Lord is using you and we are just so thankful that you even you know consider joining us today too <laughs> oh gosh it's fun I uh, yeah I'm humbled and honored to be here thanks for thinking of me and um, yeah I just hope that this is an encouragement to many I'm sure it will be well thank you uh, for being with us today that's all we have Um, I hope that you will remember we have a Facebook 
uh, that you can go to uh, www. Um, I'm sorry, Facebook and Spotify and um, YouTube. Apple there you go. Thank you. Yeah. Sort of my mind sort of went in a different direction, <laughs> but we're we're also uh, a website. You can find us there. www.sparklightministry.com. So until the next time that we see you, please go out and set your world on fire. <laughs>